Do, 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 do. Hey, we go. My name's Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to Zen Parenting. Well, this is podcast number 520. Why do we uh, do this? Or what's going on here? <laughs> um, uh, to feel outstanding. That's what's going on here? That's and why people listen. Now always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I'm going to talk about a guy named Harville Hendricks and his wife, Helen LaKelly Hunt. Mm-hmm. They're both PhDs. Yes. And they wrote a book called Getting the Love You Want, a guide for couples. Um, and Imago therapy and Imago dialogue, but I'm not even close to an expert. So I'm basically I'm very naive, but I know enough just to ask you questions, my darling. Yes. So you know what Imago means, right? <sighs> I have it in my notes, but I forgot. It uh, means image. Oh, that's easy. Image therapy. And you know that Harville and Kelly or and Helen were previously married to other people. Well, it's interesting. Oh, well, let me let me say a few things sure. before we talk about it. Uh, we have a conference coming up, February twenty eighth and 29th. There's more to the story. I know there is more to the story. Let's, let's name the people. I'll say one, and you say you okay. say another. Tony Porter. Uh, Ra- um, uh, Rachel Simmons. I was going to say Rosalind. John Duffy. Um. Debbie Reber. That's what I was going to say. Sorry. Um, Maureen Muldoon. There you go. And Gemma Hartley. And Todd Adams. Yes. And we have a whole panel. Yes. Um, that Maureen Muldoon will be um, the moderator for. Yeah. Um, for uh, its transgender, non-binary identity. So that is, I'm really looking forward to that. And um, we also have us. Yeah. You and me talking about sex ed and like talking to our kids about sex sex education. Two days of love and peace. Isn't that what Woodstock was? Three days of love, love peace, and music? Peace, let's, love, and let's music? Let's just call it Woodstock. Woodstock for 2020. That's That'll bring people. Um, so get your tickets. Kathy and I are both hosting pre-conference workshops for... Um, I'm hosting one for the guys. You're hosting one for the girls. Mm-hmm. And um, it is... Um, but let's see. Let me. How do I want to say this? It is that starts at three o'clock, and then the actual conference starts at seven o'clock. Friday night, February twenty eighth. And if you want tickets, go to zenparentingradio.com. We're doing a screening of the Hunting Ground on December fourth uh, at our local library. So if you're interested, go to our website. And the tribe, my men's group, uh, we have a meeting this week on Wednesday. We have a virtual meeting on December 11th, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world, but connect with other men. It's going to be off the hook. And then we have, I think, one spot left for our retreat. That's it. So I didn't totally didn't hear that last sentence. Uh, we have one spot left for the retreat. One spot left for the retreat. All right. How's your, how's your 8.22 in the morning brain working? No, it's actually working fine. You're just talking very fast. Sorry. Yes. I, I don't feel that tired right now. I'm Good stuff. Your sorry's in a sack, sweetie. Mister. Um, so, you know, the lady that you like Marie Forleo, is that uh-huh. her name? Forleo. Forleo. What's her deal? She's just, uh, she's got a TV show, a podcast. She writes Marie books. TV and she's got a podcast and she writes books. She's a, you know, a, I would say she's like a business guru. Mm-hmm. She, um, runs something called B school, which I did like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, she does some really great interviews. So I'm going to, I'm going to, um, play some clips of her interviewing Harville and Helen. Oh, how random. Why'd you choose that? I don't remember. I think somebody on team Zen's something about, I don't, I don't remember how I stumbled across it. Cause they've been on Oprah. Right. They've been on there. Right. But I Kupala. chose to listen to this hour long interview. Okay. Just cause I wanted a basic, uh, I've, I've heard his name. I've never read his book. Okay. And I feel like it's a book I should have read a long time ago for what, what we do, what we talk yes. about. Um, and then I also, you know, we've talked about them like five times on Zen parenting radio. How, what have we talked about? I, we've, discussed Imago. We've discussed Harville Hendricks. What attracts me to this work, and I feel like you and I should even have a dialogue about this, because he creates a structured conversation I know. where there's rules. I know. Which I think doesn't land as well with you as it no. does with me. But I know, like, I have really good friends who have gone through Imago yeah. and who have had the full-on experience. It's it's completely immersive. Right. Like, you have to go for a whole weekend, and there's a lot of... Th- it's not that I'm against the structure. And what they will say is you have to live the structure to have this make a difference. I think after you do this immersion, their success rate is like 70%. It's super high. And what's interesting in this interview, so I'll post this interview in our show notes, but 
he he taught i think he's so funny he's like i wrote a book about this i taught this i didn't do it for a long time correct so it's so interesting like you think well if you're going to teach it you got to live it and he very openly shared that he didn't do it and he was on on the verge of a divorce with helen and then he started putting the very thing that he helps people do into practice, and it changed everything. That's crazy. That is crazy. I did not know that. Right? I did not know that he didn't practice it with Helen because they developed it together. I know. And it's funny that we always talk about Harville Hendricks developing this because really they did together. Right. And and she uh, shares the mic space in this interview with as much wisdom as she does. Yeah. As he does. So we got to give Helen so some props. So I haven't read the book because I'm busy. Plus, I don't like reading books that much. Did you just say I haven't read the book because I'm busy? Yeah. I know, but you've read like other books. I know, but this just came to me on Friday. Oh, okay. Got it. But I wanted to share it today. Like if I would have, if we did a podcast a month, I would have read the book. But I have we this. We have it. It's in my office. Do, do we? Yeah. Oh, wow. It made it to your office. Because you have. Let me tell you something about Kathy. She's got a bazillion books, like some in the attic, some in her bedroom, just scattered throughout the house. But the import, most important ones, I think, are in my office. in your office. I like their energy. Right. Books have energy. I was just saying, I love the smell of my office. Yeah. Like if there was, I like to go do yoga in my office. Yeah. Um, but there's this thing called Blink List, which gives you basically cliff notes to all these nonfiction books. So I read the Blink List, which is like a 15 minute read. Okay. Doesn't do any of it justice, but... Um, I want to just, uh, I'm going to play some clips from Harville and Helen, but, uh, from my blink list, I just want to throw some quotes at you and I want to get your two cents. Okay. Your choice of life partner is influenced by your hidden childhood desires. Okay. So the way I would say that, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong because you got it straight from the book, but the way that they talk about it in more like regular language is your choice of partners is based on the love that you grew up with and that kind of familiarity. Okay. So when you basically, when someone is like comfortable to you Mm -hmm. or when you're like, oh, I know this love. Familiar. Yeah, familiar. It's because you grew up with a love that was similar. Right. And the whole goal of Imago is to heal with this person what you didn't heal or figure out in your history. So I want to, Put a pause there because okay. I think what you just said is really important. And this and what I'm about to read might reinforce what you just said. Okay. Unconsciously, we're all trying to create our childhood environment. Um, nowhere is this more evident than at the beginning of a relationship. So you, so I have childhood wounds, right? Correct. You have your childhood Correct. wounds. Correct. I chose you. Correct. Unconsciously? Well, I mean, there is some consciousness. I know that I remember saying to to you or to my friends or whatever, I'm like, this, I just, this is comfortable. This feels like home. I understand this. I understood you. And it's funny because it wasn't like a, it, it wasn't like it is now. Right. Meaning you and I had to go through a evolved. lot of it crap. Right. So it wasn't like we were like, oh, we get along great and everything's perfect. It was, it was challenging. Why do we pick our partners according to the needs of our inner child? From a young age, we construct an image in our head of an ideal caregiver known as an imago figure. Correct. So, but when I chose you, I didn't say, oh, this is the woman that's going to help me heal my no, childhood wounds. No, of course wounds. not. Of course not. But do you Nobody think that, that there's like a subconscious hidden thing that the person you actually do choose is there? Like you're attracted to them because they have something that they can help you well, process Well, it's kind of like the different direction that you look at it. Like you choose them because there is a familiarity. And then if that person is willing to go deep with you, you can heal. Yeah. But there are there are times that we choose someone who is super familiar. Mm-hmm. And that other person has no desire right. to go into that place with us. So we just basically chose a pattern that's repetitive and harmful. Yeah. Versus an opportunity. But if the, if it's repetitive and harmful, not that you want this, but that is the opportunity to evolve if through If that it. other person is willing to do that evolving Correct. with you, it has, it, it takes both people because the thing is, is it can be somewhat of an amalgam of, because it may, you know, it's like, oh, it's the exact same love I did or didn't get from my mother or my father, or it can be kind of a mixture of just that ideal yeah. that you put together 
of what you would like to have or right. what you didn't get. You know, it kind of depends on the way you look at this. Do you look at this from the positive or the, from the deficit? Sure. And it's like... What lens? What lens are you looking at this through? What I, what I can say about myself is what I know that I came to work on in this relationship and I don't... And is that I wanted to speak up and and be accepted and and be understood and seen. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I had to work through. And on good days I do that and on bad days I don't. Well, and I would say we've already even if you had a bad day, I trust that you'll do it. Right. We're way pat to me. We did that for so long that now say I ha- say you have what you're calling quote unquote a bad day. I'm not like, "Oh, I'm back to square one. Like right. I know it's just a moment. Yeah. I know you have seen me you and don't, heard me. You don't inflate the huh. importance of a moment no. or a day or a whatever. Because we, you, I, we have, as far as emotional bank account goes, you have heard me and seen me so many times right. that even if you haven't, like if I'm telling you something and you're like, <laughs> we, had, we had two things. Okay. Sometimes when Todd goes away for work he comes back and he kind of has a hard time regrouping because he's in the um he's just on his computer all the time and he's in work mode and he travels and he comes back and so when he came back and it would you had been gone like a day and a half two days and we're i wanted to like tell you something and you're like hold on I have to do this thing yeah. first, which T- I did get the email out to teams. You had to get an email out to teams. And I'm like, okay. And I had to be somewhere in like 10 minutes yeah. and I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there and you're like, this is really important. They need to get this right away. I'm like, yeah, but you haven't seen me. Yeah. And I said, I have to go yeah. and I could kind of laugh about it. And then we, we kind of laughed about it. And then that night you came in to tell you were, we were busy all day and you came in to talk to me and you were going to like, I was going to tell you a story about yeah. my book. And I, I, and I had like started talking to you and I was like right in the middle of my sentence and you just got up and left. Right. I thought, I thought JC got home. (laughs) Right. I know. And I go, Todd, hello. So not not a lot of presence going on. Here's the thing. I get, I may get annoyed in the moment or make fun of you, but I know if I said to you, which I did, Hold on. Let me finish this story. Pump the brakes there, Charlie. Pump the brakes. You're like, you go, what? What? Yeah. You're like, your energy is so, and then you, your first impulse is you always get not, not defensive, like mean, but you'll go, what? I need to move. I need to move. I'm like, I understand, but you have the capability to listen to my sentence. Right. So the reason I can laugh at this Mm -hmm. is because I know that you totally understand that and you can laugh at yourself with me. Well, it'll be interesting. We should, if we have time, I don't know if we're going to have time, but we should um, maybe kind of go through it retroactively using the structured conversation sure, sure, that sure. Harvell does. Uh-huh. But a few other quotes before we get into the, the the specifics of how he thinks couples should structure their okay. conversation. Couples, I'm going to ha- give you two sentences. Okay. First one is couples can fall out of love when they see personality traits that echo a parent's character. Mm, okay. And then the second one is, it's not uncommon for someone who grew up in an abusive home to discover a violent streak in a partner. Equally, children raised by alcoholics will often find themselves married to someone with an addiction. Oh, for sure. It, that's the familiarity. Right. If you grew up in a home where love to you was a lot about tiptoeing around and making sure that everybody else was okay right. or taking care of somebody or um, kind of being a parentified figure, that's the relationship that feels normal to yeah. you. That feels completely normal, you know, and so you get into a situation that is repetitive, not because you're like literally consciously looking for somebody else with an addiction or mm. that kind of streak, but because it feels normal. Well, yeah, as, as and I think I'm going to say exactly what you said in different words. We are not attracted to what's best for us. We're attracted to what's familiar. And we sometimes don't, and even that sentence, like, what's best for us, we sometimes don't even know what that means. Well, and this person might be what's best for us because they might be able to help us heal whatever was unresolved. It's just, to your point, you need the partner to be on board. And I could already hear people listening to this podcast right now. I was like, great, but my partner isn't on board. Correct. So that is why something like Imago needs both people to be like, I am willing to, because it's not a one-way street. They chose you too. Right. 
they chose somebody who would take care of them or defend them or whatever it may be. So it, it's not just one way of one person healing. Yeah. Sometimes we look at the world and we think we're, we walk around broken and everybody else is fine and that we have to heal. Yeah. Everybody, ha- first of all, nobody is broken. Um, we're wounded. We're wounded. I, I like to use, I use the word wounded because bro- I, I don't like broken at all. And I don't know if you like wounded, but it for me, it helps. I, I mean, I can see it. Challenged, um, you know, Baggage. Over, baggage, things we're overcoming, things we're learning about ourselves, you know, and we're not the only ones like yeah. everybody. And so we get into a relationship with somebody who is trying to figure out their needs. But if it's not on the right time, mm-hmm. because I've had friends who have got who have gotten divorced or, you know, um, been da- even dating someone and had broken up with them. And they're like the next person they're with, they're going to be amazing with them. Yeah. But I, they wasn't the right time yeah. for us. Like it's a thing, man. For relationships are tricky. They are because you could have the right person at the wrong time. Yes, you could have the wrong person at the right time. Correct. Like you got to get lucky. There's a big I as my girlfriends and I always say it is a big roll of the dice. Right. Because if you really look at the beginning of a lot of relationships, there are there are some that you'd like. There's no way this is going to work, and somehow it does, and some that you assume are just magical and they don't. All of a sudden it falls so apart. there really isn't. So sometimes when we're when we think, oh, this is going to be perfect. Now here's the thing: we play. It's not the reason why I don't like the word lucky is because we play a huge role in it. Like, it's not some, like, thing that either... Agreed. Like, let's say we have 80% uh, influence or control over it, uh-huh. and 20% is left to the gods. Like, Or maybe bit, it's yeah. 90 Like, whatever mm-hmm. that number is. You're right. It's, it's the mostly circ- us. It's the circumstances in our life and how we show up for them. Yeah. Because you can be with an amazing person who, in good times, you get along with great. But when challenges come up... Or say you, you know, you're experiencing loss with this person, or you have a child or children who are especially um, needy, or um, you run into issues with financial trouble. How do you deal with that together? This is exactly the next quote I was going to read. The moment our imago match, Mm -hmm. imago match, our 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 partner, yeah, the person that is we have chosen based on the image we have wanted to create. The moment our imago match doesn't live up to expectations. Our subconscious associates a partner with pain. Right. Which Absolutely. is why triggering happens. Well, and right? think, think about it this way. When you first are with somebody... Honeymoon period. You want the ideal. Yeah. And you only see the ideal. And you'll and you'll act from that ideal. You act from that ideal. And then they disappoint you for the first time, and you you almost feel the same way you felt if a parent disappointed you. Yeah. And really, like, our disappointment in our partners is this... This is actually something I wrote down. You know, you asked me if I... This is really the only thing I wrote down, is um, I object to you not thinking like me. That's part of this process. Is it really? We're going to get into that. I love that sentence. I object to you now, because that really is it where when you are getting married or you are partnered, it doesn't matter if you're married, you look at this person and you're like, wow, they really love me. They chose me. Um, we're together. They see me. Now I'm whole. All these things that are kind of made up crap that we do. We yeah. fall in love. And I don't mean they're made up like in a... In, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to say we kind of blow it up into sure. this. This person completes me, Jerry Maguire thing. And then they disagree with us. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, wait, wait a second. Yeah. You're supposed to love me. Yeah. And you're supposed to do all the things for me. What I think, and again, I'm taking it like really extreme here with Imago, like to if you were to be like really in a heightened Imago state, what a partner leads you to is back to yourself. Right. You know, like it, always about us. always about us, like the what you realize when Todd doesn't think like me. I mean, it's many ways he does. It's not it's not like we're night and day. But but then do I work hard to make him different? Right. Or do I learn to become accepting and compassionate and recognize that more than one opinion can exist? This is like we either fight against something that we can't change. Sweetie, you're jumping ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. Go. You just go to the next one. Um, first of all, our partner of the week is Canvas People. Holidays are just around the corner. How's your holiday shopping going? Uh, I for, started. I know you did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Of course you did. Uh-huh. For a real special gift for the special people in your life, you've got to check out Canvas People. They print your favorite memories on Canvas and turns them into unique works of art that add a beautiful touch to your home. Kind of like the one that I just ordered. I like it. Off of Canvas People about our trip to Disney World. Where are you going to really put that one? I already wall? put it up. It's in the basement. Did you really already put it up? I already put it up. Are you ordering more? Yeah. 
Okay. Um, it's great decor. The prints are like pieces of art. As uh, a very special limited holiday offer, canvaspeople.com is offering their popular 11 by 14 photo canvas for free. That's right, free. These normally sell for $69.99, but you'll pay nothing. Just cover shipping and handling. To get your free canvas, text ZEN to 64000. Just pay sh shipping and handling. This offer won't last. Text ZEN to 64000. That's ZEN to 64000. All right. Before I play this clip from Harville okay. and Helen, um, a few other quotes. Imago theory shows that most conflicts that have a painful charge are only 10% about the present situation. Of course. And 90% about some past wounds that is causing pain now. Of course. Imagine if you could truly heal old wounds. Your partner is the ideal person to help you do just that. Correct. Like, that's, drop the mic. So, I know. So, I, a story I was thinking about um, as we were talking is the story about... Um, the one that we told at 1440 or the one that I told about how I had woken up in the middle of the night oh, and yeah. when I, and I still do this, I did it last night. I have this thing where I, it's a childhood thing where I feel like I have to be super quiet. And then if I wake anybody up, it's a really big problem. <laughs> and I'm like really No matter conscious. how many times I tell her, I know I sleep through everything. I know you're still like, Oh my God, I might wake up. If I drop something, if I turn on a light, it's like my innards go like cold. Yes. Like I, it's, I don't know. It's a it's an old pattern of making putting everybody before me. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I can't disturb anybody, mm -hmm. and and I don't have like a story or a trauma of right. where someone yelled at me. Right, there's no one single no. moment. It's probably a collection of it. It, it is. It's just a collection. And then the story I told at fourteen forty is that I was having a really tough night and I couldn't sleep. And so I put, I took myself to the basement, which is a total Kathy thing to do of like, I have to do this all by myself. Nobody can help me. I'm all alone. It's a very like ingrained, like white snake. Here I go again on my own pattern. <laughs> and I then all of a sudden I like was like, this isn't working. I'm going to do something different. Mm. So I went up at three in the morning and I woke up Todd and I said, I am having a really hard time. Will you help me? And he's like, sure. And he just was like really nice. And he's like, it's all right. And what's the quote I kept saying to you? I don't It's remember. on our piano. It's on our piano. Oh, everything. It's, it's going to be okay. Everything's, Everything's going to be okay. okay. That's all I said to you, basically. It's all getting, you're like that quote on the piano. And and then eventually I fell asleep. I think we watched a Parks and Rec together. We did. We watched a Parks and Rec. And I woke up and I knew, Now, and I'm not in one of those worlds where I'm like, oh, and then I was healed. It's just I knew I had taken care of some kind of business. You peeled the onion I did. Bit. I was like, you know, that was good. Um, okay, dialogue versus discussion. Often when I'm listening to my partner, first of all, listening is a really challenging skill that I don't even think I'm necessarily that good at. Emails to Team Zen? Exactly. <laughs> Often when I'm listening to my partner, I might also be planning how to respond. I'm not dealing with her reality, and I'm working hard to give her a fake, shiny version of me. So in other yes. words, I don't want to listen and engage and practice any type of presence. I want to make sure that whatever I'm about to respond puts me in the best light. Right. And I think that's a very natural response. I think that our, the first, um, if I'm going to be really... Truthful about it is the first response we tend to have is defensive. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's not just about putting us in a shiny light. It's about saying you're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, you're not seeing me correctly because I think the first instinct is, you know, like the story I just told, I'm just sticking to those stories so I don't have to tell new ones. When I was like, Todd, hold on. I, you know, let me finish the story. You're like, no, I, you know me. I have to move. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to do. And I'm like, but that, th that, yes. Yeah. And this is all, so... And see, if he says that, then you can see how then I'm going to get triggered of you're not noticing me or you're not listening to me or I'm not important or wherever we go in right. our mind. Um, so I'll cut to the chase. There's three steps. The one, first one is mirroring. Mm -hmm. Second one is validation. And the third one is empathy. empathy. But yeah. before we even get to that, how you set up the conversation or the dialogue or the discussion, I don't know what term they like to use, is important. So this is Harville uh, talking about that very thing. It's basically a three-step process, which is if you want to talk to Joe, you have to say, is now a good time to have a conversation? That's the first structure, is that you make an appointment. And most of us never do that. Uh, we, are, we are like, I, I call it movie house crashers. I walk into your movie house and you're running your movie and you're really engaged, which is your inner world. 
I'll walk into your theater and throw my movie on your screen and say, by the way, would you look at my movie and turn yours off? <laughs> um, and that's the way most conversations start, is the collision of two people who are in their own worlds. And so if you say, is now a good time to talk, then I can say, well, I'd like to finish my movie first, or uh, sure, I'll be glad to turn off my movie and, and talk. Um, and especially if you tell me what you want to talk about. So is now a good time to talk about our sex life or where we're going for dinner or whatever you want to talk about. Put a topic in there so, um, so that I know what I'm turning my movie off to talk about. Because otherwise I may turn it off and you're going to say, well, I want to discuss the budget or um, why you didn't um, call me yesterday. And I may not want to talk about that right now, but I, so I can say no. So the first thing. So then Helen goes on to say, um, and if now is not a good time, when is? When is? Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, like, duh, none of us ever do that. Mm -hmm. Where I am always like, I'm on my schedule. Mm -hmm. You're watching your movie. I'm watching my movie. And when I'm ready to talk about it, I need you available at all times, which right. is completely unfair. So it's kind of the, the, it's interesting that he's talking about watching your own movie because that's a really good analogy. And um, Don Miguel Ruiz talks about that in The Four Agreements, mm. that we are all watching our own movie. Take it off of couples and intimacy for a second, right. is that our reality is based on the movie we're watching. And so we... Obviously, because it's our movie, we think everything we're doing is of the utmost importance. If we wear our shirt inside out, we think everybody knows we wore our shirt inside out, yet everyone's watching their own movie and they don't give a crap if you wore your shirt inside out because they're not noticing you. There's a narcissism with this movie watching. And it's and it's to our own benefit. Like if we all, if we know that people don't care yeah. as much about us as we want them to we want them to, right? you can get away with a lot more stuff than you think. Like, well, people you, don't really care that much. They don't. And they're not noticing what you think they're seeing. Yes. You know, like there's this like belief well, that everybody's staring at us. Or, and I think it's like leftover from middle school. Because sometimes when I talk to my girls about this, or I have talked to them about this, they're like, uh, but people are really watching. And, and in, in honesty, in middle school, there is a hyper awareness of other people yeah. because what's happening in middle school, you're trying to figure out belonging. Fitting so you're in. trying to find norms. So you're noticing what people are wearing, what they're doing. So There's a very developmental process. So you process. do need to attune to your middle school when that happens. Right, right. But the problem is we're still acting as if, as we're, if we're in, in middle, middle school. school. Right. So the second, so the step one is called mirroring, and um, I, I'm going to do my best to explain that. That's when, you know, let's say Kathy comes up to me, she says, "Is now okay?" And you say, "I feel I love," you know, you use I statements, right? Instead of you, if you use you statements, you're accusing, so it's put somebody on the defensive. Or what's bothering me is, and then for me to mirror back. I would say, let me see if I've got what you're saying. You just reflect back what somebody tells reflect you. Reflect back. I heard you say, and then you say, am I getting this? And then, so then here comes the magic question that uh, they both think. Accuracy thing. And then, uh, then we come to what, what uh, Helen and I call the magic question, which is, is there more about that? <laughs> just even saying it yes. does something. Because most people say, are you done yet? Yes. Uh, can can I talk now? I mean, I would like to talk now, or I've heard enough from you. I want to want to tell you about me. But if you do that, you you activate a defense, and therefore the conversation now has changed, and you're into some competition for the conversational space instead of in a flow. And you know when you're in that, you don't like it, you know, but you don't know how to get out of it. Yes. And most people don't know how to get out of it. So if you say, "Is there more about that?" and you say it with interest. Um, the partner's defenses relaxes because now instead of knowing that you're about to take the reins, they know you just handed the reins back and that you're saying, I'm interested in you. Well, and that is like what I see when he says that because I visualize that conversation in my mind is space. Like conversations can be so tight where like somebody is trying to get all their words out before the other person says something or you feel like you're almost on a clock. Mm -hmm. And when somebody, when you're telling them in your most concise way, what's wrong? And then they say, tell me more about that or is there more? As opposed to, 
okay, now it's my turn to talk. There, I get to tell you why you're wrong or whatever. There is a relaxation that happens in your body where not only are you not defensive with your words, but your body has relaxed because there's always something more. You know, it's funny, Ted, I, I didn't intend to do this, but our conference this year is called There's More to the Story. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Jess and I like, you know, really focused on that is all the things that we're talking about on Zen Parenting Radio or at a Zen Parenting Conference. It's so much more than that like surface thing. Yeah. It's not about labels. It's not about you just you. It's not just about love. It's not there's so much more yeah. going on. And do you have the time and space to recognize what it is? Mm-hmm. Because that's where growth begins. Right. There's always more to the story. So when you're in a conversation, if you're trying to get it done in under 10 minutes. Which is easy to have to do if you have a kid. I know. And I am so confident in our marriage, but I don't know if I've ever said to you, is there more or anything? Like usually when you're done talking, I'm like, okay, now I now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this is really helpful to me. Like mm-hmm. I don't remember myself ever asking you that. Like, is there more? Um, so. You've tried all sorts of different things, and I want to give you lots of um, props because yeah, so just the fact that. that you've tried different things is better than. Um, and I appreciate this is a really good thing because a lot of times, because you like to follow rules and structure, yes. like you know, we've had to go through lots of phases. Like there was you trying to tell me I was okay. And then there was the I'm not going to say anything right. phase. And you're like, what, what, what's wrong? And I'll be like, I'm listening. And you'd be waiting for me to validate and empathize. Or just be, yeah, any sound like, wow. And you would just kind of sit there stone-faced. Right. And I'd be like, am I talking to somebody? And this is kind of the – and again, these are – Todd's a really good listener. I don't really want to make this about you um, because – I think I'm an average listener at best. Well – I think you are a willing participant. For sure. I'm always trying to do better. You are. And that, what else could someone ask for? Like, you know, we don't come across people every day who are willing to learn. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, and me too, like I hope, you know, we're kind of focusing on me to you, but I hope that I'm learning when you tell me something too. Like, Mm -hmm. it's funny because, you know, the always moving thing, um, you know, which was kind of your, I'm putting this in quotes, excuse is really a real thing. Mm -hmm. And I have to, at one point say, have my own boundaries of, but we need to talk and also have an understanding of that you need to move. Well, this, what this is, this is love languages, acts of service. Yeah. I'm, I like to move and talking comes second to that. Mm -hmm. And I think you like to talk and movement comes second to that. You know, we are interesting because if you like watch any videos about or read anything about love languages, we have the two toughest. Oh, really? Did you know that? No. Someone who is words and someone who is acts of service can be really hard to, it's really hard for them to come together because it's so distant. I think, I think that's typical in a lot of marriages. Me too. And I think that um, the thing that brings us together is obviously the willingness, but also we have the physical touch in between us. Mm-hmm. Like we both are fine with that. Yeah. You weren't, when we first got together, you weren't not a hand-holding kind of guy, mm-hmm. but there was something that changed. You know what that, what that was? My man box crap. Yeah. You that was like, if right. I'm holding your hand, then my buddies will think I'm whipped. That's how messed up that is. Right. Right. Which, again, I'm sorry, you guys, because I know we harp on this a lot, but it's the only reason we get like four star reviews instead of five is people can't stand it that we say sweetie. Uh And I always get feedback. Someone will start listening to the show and they're like, yeah, but you guys are so annoying. That is a hard earned sweetie thing (laughs) from my perspective, because my husband and when I say it's not something I've ever asked him to do, it came very naturally, but from where you were with like hand holding and like going sure. out with me and being with me and demonstrating that you cared about me mm-hmm. to being on a show where that's all he calls me and not even on the show you call me that yeah. all the time it, i don't ever hear you say kathy ever very often but my point is is that for people who are like ooh that's gross i'm like okay well maybe you got some some <laughs> work to do yeah. like maybe there's or maybe even if it's not you need to do the work maybe you can have a compassion for other people's relationships right. and where they're evolving right. and that love languages and words mean something to me and that's that's a way that Todd loves 
and it's you know it's it's nice um i want to play this clip but i don't know exactly where it is (laughs) this is from brady bunch this is why i call sweetie sweetie And that's it. <laughs> that's where it came from. Oh. It's from the Brady Bunch. Of course. All right. So going back. So you wouldn't want Sweetie Pie to get wet. We talked about mirroring. <laughs> Second step is validation. Okay. Sometimes her view might be so different from mine that I'm tempted to think that she must be wrong. Yeah. But in dialogue, creating the connection is paramount. Who is right and who is wrong doesn't matter. Harville and Helen like to say you can be, <laughs> you can be right or you can be married. Hmm. What a statement. Right? Well, and again... It's almost like you could be right or you could be a... Or you can connect with other human beings on this planet. And here's the thing. Okay, so for people who are like, no, but this is so obvious that I'm right and they're wrong. Right. Okay, here's what you have to remember. It's not about who's right. It's do you understand each other's perspective? Because there are things that you and I talk about that I still think I'm right. Of course. Where I'm like, I don't think you've looked at this close enough. <clears throat> but... I also understand why you think the way you do. Yeah. I'm like, with Todd's, with his education, with his life, with the way his, his world as a man, yep. this is his viewpoint. It's, it's not right or wrong. It's I get you or mm-hmm. I'm doing my best to understand you and vice versa is you understand that it to you, and I'm using something we've talked about many times on the show. It doesn't make sense why the doors need to be locked. Right. That's no big deal. You're neurotic. What's your thing? But what you've been willing to do is say, oh, your life as a woman dictates a different kind of reality. It says, with this process, you might even discover that you can find a solution. Uh, I can't read one my Together, where it doesn't matter whether either of you are right Correct. or wrong over the issue because the underlying pain is what really needs to be addressed. Yes. Precisely because you are in a relationship with another person. It is healthy to be able to accept that you hold different viewpoints. So that sounds great, but I'm like, but I don't want to say, if I disagree with you, I don't want to say you're right because I don't think you're right. So that's inauthentic or dishonest. So the the tools that he gives or they give is you can say things like, you make sense to me or what th- this makes sense to me, or I can understand that. That's what it was, yeah. Or I can see how you would see it that way because sometimes I blah, blah, blah. And I know that's what you're saying, right. but I need literally like the language to use. Like, okay, what was that one thing in the book that I read that I can say, cause I don't want to say you're right, but I can say that makes sense to me because. And can you pull away from the language for a second? Right. Because you don't want to do something robotically or rote. But, it, but that's how it starts for me. I understand. But pull away from the language for a second. And can you understand why that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Because it's not about it to me. It's not about exactly how you say it. It's about, and I I kind of feel like you do this. Like, I feel like I'm visually visualizing us in the car, having a conversation because that's usually when we get really into a big conversation. And eventually there's kind of like, we get heated, like at an apex of like, I'm right or you're right. And then one of us is usually like, well, I understand why you would say that. That makes sense to me. And that dissipates all this energy, all of the, the air goes out of the balloon. And then the other person has the space to say, yeah, that does make sense why you would think yeah. that. You're not, you're not got, saying you're right. Yeah. Somebody's got to shift. Correct. One person's got to make that shift. And it's one thing for me to think it, but there's this like, I don't know if it's human or male thing. Like if I concede the point, like there's times when I'll be in my brain, I'll be like, she's totally right. But I don't have the guts in that moment, in that moment right. to say that and you, then I lose. But you don't right. because you're not conceding your point. I very rarely I mean, that's not true. I concede my point sometimes where I'm like, OK, I'm in a bad mood or I didn't feel good or whatever. Like I own up. But I very rarely am like, you're right. I'm wrong. Yeah. It's more like we're not seeing this the same way. And I understand why you are where you are or, and and that's not a diss. Let me, let me, the the way that came out is wrong. 
I understand why you would see it this way. That makes total sense to me. That is different than I understand why you are where you are, because that sounds like an evolutionary mm-hmm. thing. Like you're not evolved as yeah, I am. Right. This can't be, you've got to be really careful of your tone, which is why he starts with mirroring. Yes. Because you have to work you, on reflecting back. you jump to validation right. without the mirroring. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, um, I'm, I apologize. This is mostly Harvell's quotes for some reason. Where's Helen? Sorry. It's um, called validation. Now, validation is a bigger step. I can listen to you and I can get what you're saying and I can not judge it or criticize it. Uh, but now I have to say something like you make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and that means for many people uh, if that I disagree with you, therefore you don't make sense. Mm. So if when I say you make sense, I have to be clear and you have to be clear that I'm seeing the sense you're making because you have an inner world of your own. It has its own inner logic. And when uh, I listen to it, I will see that you're a logical person. I, I think we first discovered this in working many, many, And then he goes on and tells a story. So one reason that this is really important to do with our partners is A, because our partnership is our foundation if we are in a partnership. The other reason is, is if you can do this with your partner, you can do this with your children, You can do this with people at work and you can do this with people who don't believe the same as you politically or whatever it may be. You can look at the world through their lens and say, you don't have to agree. You can say, I understand why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. I understand, you know, like with our children, the language that we always use is put on your kid glasses, meaning take off your adult glasses and put on your kid glasses. And what that means is see the world through their eyes Listen to what they have to say and recognize of their recognize their environment. And if you can do that, you don't try and tell them what's right and wrong. Yeah. You allow them to share with you how they're feeling. Yeah. It's hard. It's a muscle you gotta flex. The third and final step is empathy. Uh, in the empathy step, I imagine what my partner might be feeling. Feelings are simple words like angry, sad, lonely, afraid, happy, joyful. I would just ask my partner, I imagine you might be feeling afraid and perhaps a little sad too. Is that what you're feeling? Now, I will tell you, this, in my judgment, comes easier to you than it does to me. And that doesn't mean that you're better than I am, but I have a harder time accessing my feelings, probably just because of my history as a man on this planet. And, uh, But it's essential. And and you just, by you're hardwired to feel easier than I am mm-hmm. or maybe maybe conditioned hardwired may not be the uh, right term. I have a thinner veil yeah um, but if we could do these three steps I can't see how it can't dramatically shift a relationship mm-hmm. well and you know thus that Zen parenting radio you have to be self-aware enough to recognize even that there is difference of opinion or where you started or where you came from or what your issues are or what you bring to the table or what you lack when you come to the table. You have to know these things or else all three of these things will be difficult. If you have a partner who says, you're wrong, I'm right, you're a mess, I'm fine, this will be challenging. What do you think is harder? Being in an intimate relationship, trying to do this process or, you know, I think it's easy to understand that Kathy and I both live uh, on the liberal side of the equation Mm -hmm. and trying to do this with somebody like on the alt-right. On the alt-right? Right. Because they could be spewing out hatred, right? Right. And they're spewing out hatred probably because of some significant wounds. Correct. And, but you know, I, I don't see them as wounded people. I see them as I'm right, you're wrong, you got to shut up. Well, and again, that's why we have to study. Like I just listened to a, um, a great podcast this weekend all about um, the, the alt-right and all about how it, you know, the trolling and mm. where it began and why people do it and what their history is. Like, I, you know, the, the interview I was listening to is one of the guys who is like, one of the biggest meme makers who claims that he got uh, Trump elected. He's a, uh, and he's, he has a yeah, podcast. Sorry. Sorry. 
Trying he, to do two things at once. I know. He has a podcast like where he focuses on anti-Semitism and he's, you know, says horrible things. I'm not even going to say what his podcast is because I don't want to, you know, offer that information. But then he got doxxed online, which doxxed means someone figures out who you are and, and your address and all that. And it turns out he's a Jewish guy. It's really confusing. Oh my God. And so like, then you're like, oh, oh, no, 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 wait, I'm wrong. Take that back. He was married to a Jewish woman. Ah, got it. And so he was not a Jewish guy. But just the fact that in his own home, that he was, he had all this hatred and yet he was married to a woman who, so my point is, is it's, it's not about looking at them and saying, no, they're right. It's about seeing the big picture. There's more to the story is what I'm trying to say. And if you can understand that, These are not necessarily people you want to have Thanksgiving with or become friends with, but can you see their life story? And I'm not going into his life story, but it's a story. Can you, can you read? There's reasons why we need to read other people's stories. If we stay in our bubble and only read about people like us, then we don't get expanded even about ourselves. See, for me, self-awareness comes from other people's stories. Biographies are like my favorite things to read especially if it somehow incorporates all these other things that we talk about, you know, experiences with trauma and resilience. And um, this is on the lighter side. This isn't a deep dig, but I just finished Demi Moore's book. And um, such an interesting read as far as like what you thought versus what was really happening. And I really appreciate her willingness and her children's willingness to share that story. It expanded me where I was like, oh, you know, and There, you know, we could go through lists of books about race and about religion and about culture. Like you have to, you have to be willing for your own self-awareness and for the health of all your relationships, you, you have to learn about other people and honor and respect other people. Even if they're not, you know what, I'm going to use Rosalind Wiseman's language, not respect, because I don't respect what a white nationalist is doing and I would never even pretend to understand it. But I do know that all people deserve dignity. Yeah. And I am not going to do what they do to other people, to them. Mm-hmm. Meaning that how do you give one of my favorite um TED Talks, the the final TED Talk that I show in my college class is of Megan Roper Phelps, who was in the Westboro Baptist oh, yeah. Church. And she left. And that was that the church is like, it's considered a hate group. Mm. And she left because people on Twitter got her into conversation. They did this, these things, but on Twitter, they mirrored her. They validated her. They empathized. They empathized with her. And guess what? She's like, you're right. Mm -hmm. I would like to expand my view. It took years, took a couple of years, but I always show that because they they gave her her dignity. They didn't respect what she was doing. Right. And I don't respect when people is hating are hating anybody. I have no respect for that. But human beings. Totally. And if we do that, the get, allow people their dignity, there's an opportunity for change. Yep. Um, in closing. Yes. We have some Zen friends we want to thank. Yes. Kelsey Holt. Thank you, Kelsey. Kelsey's on Team Zen. You know what her nickname is? Oh, boy. Kelsey Steve Holt. Steve Holt. That's... You impress your fake father. Maybe you should spend some time with your real son. Steve Holt's not my son. Steve Holt? With the moron jock? It's my son, you pothead. <laughs> okay. You didn't have Steve Holt saying, Steve Holt. No, I know. That's from Arrested Development. Andrea McCluskey. Uh, her nickname is Andrea Macarooners McCluskey. You're just making this up on the fly. No, no, it's typed out right there. Oh my God, Todd. You. That's yeah. what you got? That's what you typed out? Teresa and Sean Kidd, I spoke about last week. Yes, you did. But she emailed me saying she wants a different nickname. Thank you, Teresa. Teresa and Sean Kidd and Play. Okay, that's a little better. That's theirs. She came up with it. Oh my God, good, Teresa. So you could say, give me your nickname and I'll read I it. I dig or it. Or you could have me read it. And then we have some new Team Zen members. Lisa from Oakbrook, Alicia from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, Santa or Sana from Chicago, Anna from San Jose, Tamara from Spicewood, Texas, Elizabeth from Lee Summit, Missouri, Darren from Brentwood, Tennessee, and Caroline from San Francisco. New Team Zen members, sweetie. So this is, we love all of you, by the way. Um, This podcast is coming out on Tuesday, and on this day, 
our team Zen is having a talk with the authors of the book Grown and Flown. Mm -hmm. So if you're on the Facebook page, Grown and Flown, it's the authors, Mary and Lisa. So if you're listening to this in the morning, you can get you on. might be able to catch our, our team Zen talk with them. We always, uh, it's, it's turned out to be like once a month we talk to an author. And we have a conference partner, Navigate Adolescence. It's a nonprofit organization that I used to be on the board of, and they are devoted to providing kids and their parents the tools needed to navigate adolescence with confidence, resilience, and kindness. They have programs to help kids K through eight. They have a parent program. Go to navigateadolescence.org. Thank you to Sandra and the rest of the team for sponsoring our conference. If anybody else that's coming to the conference have a business, uh, shoot me an email and we can talk sponsorship. They've been our partners for a long time. Every single year. Yes, we love them very much. They um, do such good work. And don't forget about the bald head of beauty, Jeremy Kraft, uh, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, uh, avidcode.net. And um, I guess with that, keep trucking. I'll put all the stuff on the show notes so you guys can yeah, what's, go back to this. What's Harville's books? Oh, name? good idea. Um, Getting the Love You Want, A Guide for Couples. It's an oldie moldy. Like, it's been around a long time. Right, but they keep updating it. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Have um, a good week, everybody. Yeah. Todd, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to yoga. All right. Adios, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidcode.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.